What a busy traffic on this Friday evening. I am almost stuck in this traffic for the last 40 minutes. And there is no way, I think, for me to get to the show. The Sienna T Radio Songbank. Which is going to start very shortly. It's one of my favorite shows. And my, my, what a way to wind down for the weekend. Perfect two hours of fun-filled music. And she has so many great features. Sound of Music. Undercover. Foreign Exchange. Name that tune. And the big wheel that she spins. For who's that? Or where are we? We cannot forget about the international stage. I have never come across such a great show in my life. I think I will have to press hard on my accelerator and go as fast as I can to get home in time. Wow! Wow! Look! I made it! I am almost there! Sienna T. Ray, making your day brighter one song at a time. Looking for conversations on books and more, as well as tutorials on using your favorite devices and applications? You've come to the right place. Join us weekly on Spicy Techie, where Ali, Makara, and Sienna provide insightful conversations as well as useful tips and tricks to help you along on your technological journey. To learn more, tune in to the show and like the Spicy Techie Facebook page. Search for Spicy Techie. Welcome to Broadcast Map. This is the show. I cover the world of broadcasting, sports media, and from time to time, my favorite sports teams. Here is your host, Ali Musa. Welcome to Broadcast Map 4. This is the a first show of the new year, Friday, January 5th, 2024. I am Ali Musa with Becky Coles for the first show of the new year. And this is going to be fun. Becky Coles has spent um, quite a while in the broadcasting industry and uh, now the podcasting industry. Becky, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you and happy new year. 
Happy New Year to you. How about you tell us about that? Just just based off of that intro, please. Oh gosh, where do I start? <laughs> oh, start anywhere. I, I'm curious to hear about this. Um, I think like a lot of people when they're younger growing up, they're trying to decide what they want to do with themselves. And so I'd wanted to be a teacher and a few other things, but I went through a lot of teacher strikes and decided that this was maybe not how uh, I wanted to live my life was uh, constantly um, being distracted from teaching, which was really the whole point of me wanting to do it and inspire people. And I remember I was watching the television and it was interrupted by TWA flight um, 800 crashing. And I was riveted by the storytelling and how the story evolved as they found out what happened and reporting and going to people live on the scene. And I just thought, oh, this could be the way that I actually can inform and teach people and inspire people is by going into media. And then that was it. So um, that's that was my focus. And then went to Humber College and took radio broadcasting. And that was kind of my introduction into the world and then into my career. Yeah, you mentioned teacher there. It just bring it just brings to my mind the whole thing with the teachers and the Ford government at this point. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, this will be the battle that the province of Ontario has forever. It doesn't matter at what point you and I have a discussion, there will be something going on. And I think um, being given the role of education minister has got to be no matter how much a difference you think you're going to make, it's got to be the worst assignment because, you know, everyone's going to be mad at you <laughs> basically the whole time. <laughs> well, and it was sort of the thing, too, that I thought when, see, the thing was when, like, it was interesting, too. I don't know if um, whether you remember, but I don't know if you remember when uh, the days that Kathleen Wynne was in office as premier. Mm -hmm. It Now, I was surprised a little bit with, the way that she sort of directed the whole thing because of the fact that she also at one point was the education minister. So you would think or that things would have been maybe a little bit different. You would think so. But I think the problem is we well, this feels like a whole other discussion for us to have another day. But I feel like the oh, no, education system is broken. And I think to blow it up and reform it the way it needs to be, no one wants to take that on because it would cost way too much money. You'd say it's going to cost X amount, probably billions of dollars, and people would say, are you nuts? And then that would be the end of it. And I think, so every government comes in and every government says, this is how we're going to make a change and this is how we're going to make things better. And then they look at what it's going to cost them and they look at all the other things they have to deal with and they're trying to keep teachers happy. And then that's it, you know, so then it becomes that, well, now we got to focus on this. Well, now our four, four years are up. So now we have to do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. So now tell us to, now I remember the days kind of going back to the broadcasting a little bit here. Um, um, but um, yeah, we should do, yeah, we, we should at some point do a part two on, uh, we can talk about a little bit of this whole system and politics a little bit someday. Yeah, sure. I'd love that. All right. Um, sounds good. Um, now, I remember the days like well, I started following your career um, in the uh, I don't whether I don't know if you remember, but in the Mike Neighbors days when it was Talk Eight Twenty, I think you were a producer for that show. Yeah, that was my first introduction into talk radio. I'd grown up listening to CFRB. My mom had it on all the time and um, we had horses, so she had it on for the horses. And um, I remember listening to it, but always 
had this false assumption that I could never work and talk radio until I was much older because I felt like I needed to have life experience before I worked there. And then once I kind of got thrown into it by accident, I said, oh, no, wait a minute, I'll have my life experience. I'll learn as I go, which uh, was a great experience for me. And actually, I was quite excited to work at a station when it first launched and to be able to experiment with things because we didn't have that huge listener base that we were trying to just hold on to. We were starting from scratch basically. And so I loved being able to experiment with guests and formats and uh, especially with Mike, you know, he was very open to doing basically whatever, <laughs> which was awesome because it allowed us to have some fun. Yeah, no, no you were there um, at the, at sort of the, um, at that launch of it, as you just mentioned. And I remember that too. Um, now, what exactly happened? I believe also, if if memory serves, I, I believe Drew Keith was retained for a little bit as program director there. Yeah, so Drew had been there um, before and after that. And then I think just with the, the way that the cycle of corporate radio goes, they they kind of try different things and then eventually you've lived out your life and um they they move on they they say you're no longer required and they decide to try and find someone else and sometimes it's a matter of the focus that they want to go but i think um drew did the right thing by bringing people in from CFRB and other stations to like people like Steve Couch to really give us an idea of how talk radio worked i think the problem when you launch a station like that though is every market is different. And in the case of Hamilton, we were trying to go up against the, the heritage station, CHML. <laughs> so it was very hard to try and convince people to come over and listen. I think once they did, they said, oh, this is a little bit different. And if I want what I know I'm getting out of CHML, I can listen to that. But um, I think what ended up happening was it was just very hard to go up against a station like that, especially with a limited budget. You know, Toronto got a lot of the budget and it still happens. <laughs> and the smaller stations are left to deal with um, a very limited budget and still trying to do big things. But the less and less funding that's there, the less they can do. And ultimately, I think they realize that talk radio is very expensive. <laughs> it's a very expensive yeah. radio station. <laughs> so I think they realized that music was the way to go. But the funny thing was, and of course now, of course, they've been sold, of course, and I don't know what's going on with all those sort of, with all the Bell Media cuts back in the summer. Mm -hmm. But it, it um, but the thing that sort of was interesting to me was they captured major, like major sports rights. They had the rights to the, the radio rights to the, they grabbed the rights to the Jays and then the, ahl bulldogs at the time well they were there before they um before it became talk but was it an avenue do you feel without like sort of corporate culture was that sort of to bring listeners in but also keep them there because oh they've got oh we've got the g's so i think listeners are going to stay around yeah, I think it was. And we even had um, football. <laughs> we were doing the syndicated football, right? And so and, yeah, well, NFL yeah, I felt football. Was, uh, Monday night football. I think it was Sunday and Monday night football, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we had those bigger ticket things for people to listen to. And I think that's for sure what you see a lot of stations do. And um, it makes sense to me. You know, stations that have coast to coast often will then continue to have people that listen after that because they're already there. So why would you change? You go, well, this is cool. And I, I don't dislike what I'm hearing afterwards, so I'll hold on to that. And I think that was definitely a move from us to, I think, to also make ourselves different 
than what chml was doing and um and just to kind of at least have a bit of a different sound but um ultimately especially as you start to see technology change people go well, i'll just listen on my app i don't need to listen to the radio necessarily so i think that's also something that you're starting to see change yeah and i mean you know and tune in is an example of that i i, I use the tune in app every morning Hmm. And I think that's something that radio in general needs to um, recognize and accept. And I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit more. Yeah, just... go ahead. Yeah, let's actually, yeah, good segment. Let's, let's, uh, <laughs> let's keep, let's uh, go ahead there. Yeah. So I think that what you're seeing is a lot of uh, radio stations um, and companies, they're reacting after the fact, after it's too late, instead of yep. embracing where things yep. are going. So it was, we're never going to stream online. Why would we do that? Well, now that's all you do. And that's as people start, you you start to recognize that, oh, maybe there is a value in that. And, um, you know, I look at AI and everyone is so worried about AI and taking jobs away. And I think um, there's a way to use AI for good and not just evil. Yeah. <laughs> I use it all the time. I use chat GPT when I'm having writer's block and I go, okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Help me formulate this. And then it writes it and I go, oh, okay, well, it did what I asked it to do. That's not what I wanted to say. So that's actually good to know that I'm on the wrong track or it'll help get me started to at least say, okay, now I can kind of write it myself. Like I certainly don't write something and then copy and paste, but it's been a great tool for me. So as you're starting to get people to do more work in the station and spreading people thin, well then don't act like AI is the enemy. Act like this is how we can help with some of the processes to make things easier. But I think when it comes to streaming, there was a major, major disconnect there because they didn't want to do it. And then they started doing it and realized that this was maybe something beneficial, but there, I st it still feels clunky to me. If I listen to something online, it still feels like we're still trying to figure it out a little bit. And I don't know how we fix that part in the technology, but we've got to figure it out or people will just continue to go to tune in and other things and, and listen that way. Well, and see, but I think what's really the thing now, you know, like I, I, what's what's really missing here, though, is that th there is that disconnect and there has been for quite some time between, say, what between, say, the rate between, say, radio and and what and, um, you know, and the listeners, because they don't seem to because they never have cared about the listeners. Uh, I think they did once. <laughs> yeah, they probably are. Yeah, before my time. Yeah, I think they've forgotten what makes radio relevant. And I talk about this all the time where they've forgotten the point. And so last year where I live in Niagara had a huge snowstorm, no power, no communications, nothing for some people seven days. We were out of power for about five days. And so I didn't have any way to listen to anything. Um, but then when we started bringing the, being able to like get a wind up radio and listen to things, it was Christmas time. So they were all in vacation mode. And so nobody was even, no one had the presence of mind to have a reporter do anything, even if it was just a, an hourly update or anything like that. So that was a bit of a problem. But then somebody posted in one of the Facebook groups, I noticed after we did get power and internet back and someone said, oh, I wish there was a way to know what was going on on the radio. And I said, yes, that's the point. That's what we should be doing. That's it's the human connection of radio is what gets people interested in it. And you can, if you want to hear music, you know how to get your music. Now we don't have to sit by the radio and hit 
record to hear our favorite song. You can go online and listen to it. So what's going to keep people listening to music radio is the people, the information that they're giving and the personalities. And so the same thing with talk radio, you can talk about what's going on at city hall and what's going on in the province and everything. But what's also going to get people interested is when there's breaking news or things you need to know, listening to the radio and being told that information and uh, even music radio needs to remember that you might've gotten rid of your newsroom because you feel that you don't need it. And, but you still need someone to be able to provide that information. Otherwise I can just go to YouTube and listen to music or go to any, you know, Spotify, any of those. And so I think that's where we've really forgotten why radio is relevant. And somehow we have to get back to that. Well, and that's it too, right? That, that's sort of the piece where, um, there's not, they see it was, it was interesting to where, uh, and, and this also, this kind of rings, but like this past summer we were like, um, it was with, um, you know, I mean, we were just, uh, uh you know, we were with the family, we were just driving back from, from, uh, Niagara Falls back to Cambridge. We were there for a day trip mm-hmm. and there was some kind of an accident somewhere and it was like, well, and, 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 you know, and dad was slipping to the different stations and it was like, well, and, 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 you know, for see, and in the, and, and I was sort of saying, well, you're not going to, because, because being a, because I know how the lens, how, how media works. Yeah. Right. And I was like, well, you're not going to find traffic on any, you're not going to find traffic on any place unless you go to, unless you go to 680 news. Yeah. And they have done a very good job <laughs> branding themselves as the station for that. Plus, yes being reliable (laughs) you know you're going to listen you know you're going to get traffic and you know most of the time it's going to be very accurate and i think that's an example of the amount of people i know that go well i turn on 680 for the traffic but then i end up listening for half an hour because i just don't turn it off and i hear the news and that's it and you go yeah that's a whole (laughs) this is a prime example of keeping people there through that quarter hour, through that half hour, because people listen and then they just don't think to change it back. Right. Or they think, Oh, well, I better keep this on. Cause I don't know what the traffic's going to be like, but um, that would be the thing. And I think now we're all getting our traffic from apps. So I think there's a value in still having traffic reporters, but we have to remember that people are always getting it. I can easily bring up Google and see where the problems are. So you have to make it as accurate as possible when you're doing it, but also as reliable as possible timing wise. Well, that's it. I think they're like, I think in Google maps, isn't there like, I think there's like a traffic thing in there now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can just turn that on and say, oh, okay, well, that's all red. That's crummy. (laughs) So I'll go a different way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things too, where people like are are finding that now also too, like it it was funny because, um, I mean, every, every plot, every, like even every station or, you know, outlets, they're all, they're all on X posting on X Mm -hmm. and, it's funny enough, the information is coming out there faster than than if you tune in. Yeah, and I got off of X a long time ago. I think when I was producing for Jerry Agar, a lot of people would then attack me. And I go, Jerry's views are his own. <laughs> you don't need to attack me. And I found, especially during COVID, it just got too angry, so I left X. But I would agree with you that that is part of the problem, too, is they're so busy to get it out on social media because they know that's where people are that they're forgetting it, forgetting to get it on the air. And so I, why would I tune in? I know I can just go to X or, you know, that's Facebook when you were able to post your news on Facebook. Um, and I think that you have to decide, are you in a 
are you working for a radio station or are you working for social media? And I'm not saying that they don't coexist, but part of it is knowing that people come to you, they tune in right away instead of, well, I'll just go to X and see what's going on. And that's part of the problem is social media is starting to take over as where you get your news. You know, and, and I've sort of had mixed feelings about X myself, but it's one of those things where I've sort of kind of, you know, re like I've sort of realized that, that at this point I have to be there not only to know what's going on, but also to get the content out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's, that's what X is counting on <laughs> to keep people around. Even though you've had that mass exodus, you'll never have everybody leave because we all know that's where the info is. Yep. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? That That's just the whole kind of thing. And of course I am also, as you have, you know, active on, um, on LinkedIn as well, mm -hmm. you know, posting stuff. So like, that's one of the things I see. I had to learn things too. Now, and, and what are your thoughts on AI replacing the on-air talent? I don't like it. And I think, um, but I don't know if there's a way to stop it <laughs> completely. Um, and that, and I guess that's just me not thinking, thinking forward enough to think of how you could combat it. But I think as long as you have everyone basing decisions on a budget, they're going to say, well, we can just have the computer do it. And that's the problem because it's a lot cheaper than a human being. But I think where you'll see value maybe in AI replacing is over the Christmas holiday, where rather than trying to find a reporter to do something and there's breaking news, um, you can say who's available. Okay, one person, great. Well, you need to feed this information into AI. And as long as it's accurate, then they can do the reporting for you. So I could see maybe that's where there's a benefit, but you still need a human being as part of it to do the checks and balances and to enter in the information and to make sure that it's it's gathering the information and sharing it properly. Yeah, that's true. And see, and that's it too. Like, I and I, I, I shared this uh, article. I don't know if you actually came. I don't know if you saw it, but I did. It, it's called, um, and it sort of kind of got my attention a little bit too. It was, it, it's, it was called "Make Unlearning and Adapting a 2024 Resolution." And it was what what I really found interesting. There was all the points in there were sort of sort it on the lines of i was sort of looking thinking looking at it from a media side going you know what these are all things that media isn't really doing and or broadcast or the radio will say isn't really doing they're still hanging on to their old the, the old ways of doing things where it's not kind of favoring now yeah there's a lot of we've always just done it that way <laughs> which is, um, it might work for you, but for most people it won't, I don't think. I think you have to evolve. And um, I would agree with you. I didn't see, I saw the headline of that article, but I didn't read it. And I think you're right though. There's a lot of things that um, we could probably learn from that as far as um, learning and then relearning and, and adapt, embracing technology. And instead of just thinking that all technology is evil, just try to find the good in it and, and use it that way. Yeah, no, and that's it, right? See, because it was very, and see, and, and it's like, yeah, no, these are things that, you know, it's like, well, no, these are things that they're not, these are things that they're not doing. These are things that, see, now, see, everybody wants to now, now see what's not being, and see, 
recognize too is that I mean, and you may not be a sports person. I I don't know, but you probably you know. I mean, look at the look at the dismissal of uh, Ben Wagner from the Blue Jays radio broadcast booth. Hmm. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, and it was just kind of a pardon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's like first of all, there was no. It was almost a a senseless sort of move. And for one, because of the fact that he, you know, despite all the things they were, you know, he handled things very professionally. Yeah. And that's something that um, is, it's really tough when you get let go from a radio station or a TV station and you have to decide how you're going to handle that. And um, I think sometimes I see peers where I go, well, that's not how I would have handled it, but I understand why you chose to. (laughs) Um, I've always tried to take the high road, even when I, left bell, which was on my own. It was my own choice. Um, there were a lot of things that I wanted to talk about and didn't. And I think in 2024, I'm kind of making it my goal to maybe share some of those things, but, um, and just, but make it more of a, this is why these things happen in radio or in broadcasting and just make it more of a, you know, maybe you don't understand the decisions, but this is the why behind them, or this is why, you know, we used, we have a big problem where people are let go from radio and they don't get to say goodbye. They get walked to the door and that's it. And so the listeners that are left to pick up the pieces call and yell at the poor person that answered the phone and say, why won't you tell us? And how dare you? And why are you lying? And it's like, cause this is the information I was given. And Corporate has gotten really good at giving no information to the person so that you can honestly say, that's all I know. (laughs) Like even, you know, Jim Richards at 1010 was off for quite a long time. Yeah. We weren't given a lot of details. Why? Just that he was taking some personal time. So people would call and yell and why are you lying? And why are you hiding what he's up to? And why won't you tell us? And I'm like, it's not my story to tell. And he even posted that when he came back, he said, it wasn't up for them to tell you why he was off. And he talked a bit about it on the radio and shared what he was comfortable sharing. But um, I don't even know what he said. I didn't have a chance to. I just say it was a mental health break and a time to take care of himself. And I think we all need to do that maybe more than than we, we accept, we want to admit. (laughs) I think he's still there now. I think he's still there now. Yeah. Yeah. I still, um, you know, he's one of those people that, um, I wish I could be as creative as him on the fly because he's so good at just turning a subject. You know, he'll have an idea and someone will call in and he's great at adapting to that. And so I, I like listening to Jim Lee. He's fun. <laughs> and, and very knowledgeable too. Yeah. And that's something that I think people don't appreciate when they listen in to most radio, but especially talk radio, where you're expected to read a lot of articles and retain information and remember things and context and uh, and get it out there and tell the story properly. And there's a lot of people out there that um, they think they could do talk radio, but I think after about five minutes would be exhausted because it's um, it's not as easy as it sounds, but the professionals make it sound very easy. Well, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I do a lot of, like, I do a lot of reading myself as much as I can, mm-hmm. you know, to pay attention to see, because I have to know what's going on in order for me to be very, um, you know, informed about things. Yeah, and so do I, especially when yeah. I was a producer, but um, I couldn't share, reshare that information the same way that a host can. You know, I can kind of have an idea or someone will say what happened on the show today, and I would say, well... We talked about this, but like my summary of what it was about is a lot different than what you would have heard on the radio. <laughs> so tell us about your um, 
now, uh, now you you left uh, Bell Media and um, um, and now are doing some now in the uh, podcasting uh, space. And uh, I know um, you're doing some work with uh, uh, Story Studio Network with uh, Dave and Aaron Trafford there. But can you tell us a bit more or shed some more um, perspective into that? Yeah. So podcasting was something that I knew very limited things about. Um, I kind of knew what, like I had a basic knowledge of it. And as radio stations were trying to adapt to doing podcasts, I thought, I don't know if we're really hitting the mark there. I think just putting up a whole radio show is not really the right way to do a podcast. I think the idea of a podcast is to put the best content and also the, maybe some added things in there that you go, like a response, right? So you go, okay, well, for context, for those of you that didn't understand the background on this, and then you could fill in a little bit more, or maybe you had a really good interview that you could only play seven minutes of, but you play the full 20 minutes in the podcast, that kind of thing. But um, that, so I had the limited knowledge of, okay, it goes back to the whole, this is what we've always done. (laughs) Um, And so when Dave Trafford approached me, he said, this is what we're doing. And he explained the idea behind it and talking about branded podcasts. And I was like, oh, this gives us the opportunity to do what most of us got into radio or TV um, in the first place, which was telling the stories and taking the time to tell them properly instead of just, here's your four minutes, here's your seven minutes. And hopefully we got some information out there. This allowed us to say, okay, what really matters to you? And then create it, whether it's six episodes or 12 episodes. And I think that's where a lot of brands will start going for podcasting to to have that be a huge part of their comm strategy because they can manage the message. If you go to a radio station, you might send them a press, uh, sorry, a press release and the person reads it and they might only half read it or they, they read it, but they misinterpret something or misshare something in it. And you get to the end of the four minutes and you go, well, I didn't even get a chance to talk about the thing that I was most interested in, or they took it a different way. And I wasn't really happy with that. And Um, so the best part about podcasting is you have that time to think about it and go, okay, well, where do we want to go with this? What are the most important things to talk about? And then you have the opportunity to record it and, and say, yeah, this is what we want to share. This sounds like us instead of a five, seven minute interview that may or may not share the information that you want it to. Yeah. And, and, and that was it too. So. I just kind of circle back a bit. You mentioned back there about that now, like that, that the way that they're putting up their shows as they're like, they're throwing pretty much the whole, just the show and and putting up in a podcast. And you mentioned that's not really the way to do it. Um, So you're saying you would do it in a sense of just maybe posting, say the best, maybe interviews or, something or maybe a highlight of what the show was or maybe adding more content because that's what I feel they're missing too. Yeah. Cause I think um, who has time if you missed the show live to go back and say, I'm going to listen to the three hours of the Jerry Agar show. Now it's two hours, but even then two hours of it, you, I don't have time for that. You know, like two hours is a very long time. So unless you're driving um, most people aren't just going to, find the time to turn that on at the end of the day or middle of the day. So I think what makes sense is to just put the best stuff up there because really you just want to go on and listen to what was the best caller segment or what was the best interview. And maybe it's only 30 minutes that day. Maybe it's 10 minutes. Maybe it is two hours because you feel, no, this is really 
this is all very important information that we should be sharing and that the content is really good. But if someone just looks and goes, oh, three hours and it's going to be the, the odd call that doesn't make sense because they were misguided. You know, sometimes people call in and they think they know what they want to talk about and they don't. And so they get on there and it's confusing or the sound quality is no good. And um, I think we've become very forgiving with sound quality, but at the same time, I don't want to listen to a whole segment of someone's internet cacking out while they're trying to be interviewed because then it's just a lot of confusion. And um, so, yeah, I think they could be doing a lot more, but I think it goes back to, they have such, they've decided to spread their employees so thin that people go, who has time for that? Because I remember sitting in a meeting where we were talking about podcasting and okay, let's try to do these more creative things and we'll, we'll introduce it and we'll have the host talk about it. And then we'll put in another interview. And I put up my hand and said, who has time for that? Like once I get through the rest of my day, then my day's done. I don't have time to do those things. And so that's really where they need to build that time into the day and change the focus so that they can have that energy um, to be more creative and then actually do something with it. But I don't know what would, would you tune in to hear a radio state, like a, a full talk show for three hours if you had missed it, or would you just kind of skim through it? Uh, no, I would fast forward through it. <laughs> okay. Yep. So it's not just me. <laughs> yep. No. Uh, actually, maybe the only one I would listen to is, is, uh, is Mike Farwell. Okay. Yeah. And you see, I think that's the thing, right? Shout Certain out to people. you, Mike. <laughs> I think certain people you would maybe listen through to, but then even more in the morning on 1010, I like listening to John Moore. And this week, John Tory has been filling in. I quite like John Tory, but I don't know, even though I like them and I like their style of show, if I would listen to the whole thing, I would probably fast forward and listen to the roundtables and get an idea of where people are, where they're sitting with stories. And then that's it. But, um, I don't know. Maybe my listening habits will change and suddenly I'll have way more time and energy to listen to a whole show. <laughs> yeah, John, you know, what are your thoughts though? He, I mean, I'm not surprised that he got back into broadcasting again after he um, um, uh, resigned as mayor of Toronto. What are your thoughts there? I'm not surprised either. I think he really enjoyed it when he did it the first time. And obviously there was, there were multiple reasons he did it. It obviously was there to help him help his political career and, and to be well-known and well-liked. And I think up until he had that incident where he had to, he felt he had to resign. I think he did a very good job as mayor. And I think being the mayor of any city, but especially Toronto during COVID is not easy. And I think he handled it and the messaging as well as he could. Like this was something that none of us had ever, there was no playbook on this. So we were all learning as we went. And I think he did a great job, but I think he likes broadcasting because it allows him to talk about the things that matter to him and that matter to other people. And he likes meeting different people. He loves to have those conversations. So for someone like John Tory to get back into broadcasting, it's like, well, it's just a, it's a no brainer because that's what he loves to do. And I remember when I would fill in on his show, you'd go in and he was so excited. He would have stacks of papers of things he was ready to talk about, which was great as a producer, because sometimes you come in and the hosts have no ideas. Um, and he had lots of ideas. And what's amazing about John Tory is he has such a brain to retain information. So I would say to him, if we were discussing a topic and I'd say, you know, I read an article a couple of days in, in, ago in the Globe about 
And I would give one line of it and he'd say yes. And I thought that was a very interesting article because, and he would remember the article and what stood out to him. And I go, okay, great. So we have a topic then. <laughs> um, but I think he'll continue to do it. And I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he remains a fixture on 1010 and, and probably ends up doing something far more permanent than just filling in. Um, but I don't know if they have the slots or, for that now, though, for him to do something more permanent. They might not today, but I think people are always coming and going in the business. And I think for someone like him, they would build a spot, you know, like I think maybe he does a noon to one show or, you know, and they cut the show coming out of Ottawa by an hour. Like, you know, there's certainly room to play with it that way. But I think, yeah. and I think they should do that. I mean, nothing wrong with um, nothing. You know, I mean, the host of that show is very knowledgeable. Yeah, Vassie's great. Vassie's great. Yeah, Vassie. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, and Evan Solomon was good when he was on there before that. Yep, but I just yep. think to have someone like a John Tory host a one-hour show at noon in Toronto would be like that. To me, would be what they call like appointment tuning. <laughs> I would say, okay, well, I want to know what Tory's talking about. Yeah. What did you? What did you? I don't know. If you, what did you think of the Mots back in those days? I enjoyed listening to them. I know Paul that, and Carol. I thought, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think a lot of people um, enjoyed it because you had the two points of view. And it was, I think a lot of people could relate, whether it was a husband and wife or a brother and sister or just friends, having the two people disagree. And I quite enjoyed them. And I thought that they um, were entertaining. And when they came, they you know, they left. And then when they came back to do the weekend morning show, I still enjoyed listening to it. Um, but I think understandably having a horse farm in Aaron is <laughs> can also be enriching and entertaining. So I think that was more uh, just a better spot for them, especially for Carol to um, work on that. And it made sense to me, but um, I, I guess budget wise places are getting away from the co-host format, but I think having two people is entertaining. Like you think of two bald guys, which was Stephen LeDrew and Michael Corrin. Like that was hilarious because the uh, two of them yeah. are just so out there. <laughs> and so sometimes they would actually agree <laughs> and you go, what the heck is this about? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, are, are they, I wonder though, I think, I mean, it, I mean, a certain, I think it would be nice. I think sometime to even like, get one of them for a conversation but i don't think they're they're hard to find now yeah michael is very focused on um he became a uh, ordained i guess anglican minister and so he's focused on that although he does seem to pop up on john moore's show sometimes and stephen ledrew um mm -hmm. i guess said something that offended somebody and yeah. just you know cp24 decided to part ways with him yeah. but um he's around but i haven't I haven't seen them. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah, the Mots, uh, I think, would be good to get one of them. to. But they're not even around online anymore, the Mots. No, they're just, like, really the only time I see them post is something from their equestrian center, and that seems to be the focus. And maybe that's because they don't want to kind of broadcasting's a funny thing because you can get out of it and i always say it's like that line like once you think you're out they pull you back in and so maybe yeah. they're afraid that they'll like it too much and they'll want to do it again <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it, right? But I mean, but the thing was too, but I think like when they when News Talk 1010 made that transition and they were um restructured out or let go, we can say, from mm -hmm. the um the uh, from the afternoon slot and then I think then Mike Ben Dixon later on brought them back for the weekend show. 
Yeah. So, um, geez, Larry Fedork was doing the weekend morning show and, um, but he was also like, that was just his moonlighting gig. He was also full-time at six to 10 seeking yeah, that's right. St. Yeah. Catharines. And at some point they decided to let him just focus on his five days a week thing. And I quite enjoyed working with Larry. Um, we got along great and I enjoyed working on his weekend morning show, but, um, it also made sense to me, to just try and change things on the weekend. And I think the Mott's at that time made sense. And I think Mike Van Dixon just said, yeah, you know, maybe this is a good spot to put them. Cause I think they were interested in dipping their toe back in there, but didn't want to do full time because they were busy. So it kind of made sense for them to do it that way. Um, and then of course they left and they, he brought Dave Trafford in who also did a great job. So I, and that's something that I'm sad about that they don't have a weekend morning show anymore. And, um, they just simulcast TV and I think it, yeah. they'll tell you it works. I'll tell you it doesn't. <laughs> and we can continue to disagree. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, and no, and I mean they had a lot of staple like Ted Wall. I mean, they they brought Ted Wallish in back. They brought um mm -hmm. yeah, Ted Wallish in. They brought I mean he was doing mornings for a, quite a while. Then he brought then he was brought back to do like a Saturday show and mm -hmm. yeah, I think Mike Ben Dixon um really struggled with trying to change the sound of CFRB so that it wasn't your CFRB anymore, which is one of the reasons they called it News Talk 1010. But I yeah. think they forgot that there's still a lot of those faithful CFRB listeners listening. And um, it's always a struggle to try and get young people to listen to talk radio. Once you get them, they're usually hooked. But I think it goes back to as well, like a podcast where you might you have so many options now for talk and getting your information that you might say, well, I can listen to a half hour podcast and kind of get the opinions I want and move on from there. Yeah. And also too, right. I mean, now even at that time, like there were some things he did retain for a little bit when he first came in, like spider Jones, he retained. And as you, if you, if you go way back, you probably saw I had him. Yeah. And I think, um, it it's tough too because someone like a Mike Ben Dixon who he's trying to put his stamp on things and do what he thinks sounds right. And then you've got corporate saying, Well, that's fine, but this is the money we're gonna give you to do it this year. And this is um this isn't what our listeners want. And they go, Well, I don't think <laughs> I don't think people in the office don't know, have any idea what the listeners want. Um, and so then you're trying to have that that internal struggle of doing things with a budget and also trying to figure out what makes sense and deciding what the listeners want when the listeners don't know what they want. And even when we were doing COVID, there was a big struggle of, well, how much COVID is too much? And at first you couldn't do enough. We were doing wall to wall only coverage, like only COVID. That was it. That's all we talked about. But as the months went on, we realized, well, there's a bit of a COVID fatigue because people are stressed out about it and tired of hearing about it, but also the information wasn't changing as much. So then we started, Jerry and I kind of did a whole like anything but COVID segment where that's what we put in the lineup was it can be anything. It just, it shouldn't be COVID related because people wanted that break. And so, um, but inadvertently, as you started to, stop talking about COVID as much, then you'd have people texting in going, why aren't you talking about COVID? It's like, well, we did, but we just didn't talk about it for three hours at a time. Um, so there's no keeping everybody happy in that. And it's, that's part of the problem. I, when people say, how do you decide on a topic? And I go, well, sometimes you don't know what's going to be a good topic. Um, I use the analogy of the time of Facebook. You can post something that you feel is very well thought and profound and you sat on it for five days and you post it and you write something and you'll get a few likes and a few like, yeah, thanks for this. Or 
I agree or I disagree. And then you can post like, why is Victor, why are Victor and Nikki back together on the Y&R? And you're going to get a thousand comments from people and you go, okay, apparently my very profound statement meant nothing, but everyone really likes the Y&R. <laughs> and it's the same as with talk radio where you'll think, oh, this topic is going to blow up. Everybody has an experience with this. Everyone's going to call in about it. And you get two really good calls and three off, you know, maybe a little bit off topic calls. And then you'll throw something out there. I always remember, um, this is kind of one of my favorite Jerry Agar stories where he made a, an off, he was waiting for people to call in about something. And so he made a, a kind of just a off the side comment about the fact that he had looked up how to get somewhere on MapQuest and that he got lost. And so then I chimed in and I said, well, that's why he got lost because MapQuest hasn't existed in a very long time. Like now it's Google Maps or whatever it is. And he goes, well, I don't know. He goes, I use something. Well, then the phones lit up with people giving him a hard time about calling it MapQuest. <laughs> and so that became the segment and we ended up doing a whole half hour on it. And so, and that was just by accident. Um, whatever it was, we were, I can't even tell you what we were talking about because <laughs> it might've been that people don't know how to read maps anymore. I don't know, but um, I think that's the thing with trying to figure out what listeners want is sometimes they don't know, but once you do it, they go, Ooh, I like that. But um, you know, for someone like me to see that Tarzan Dan is now, doing weekends on boom in Toronto. That's exciting. Cause I grew up listening to Tarzan Dan. I think he's one of Canada's best DJs, but to maybe the younger group, they would listen and go, I don't get this guy, but anyone my age, which is who booms going after we all go. Yeah, this is awesome because it's, it's who we grew up with and he knows how to be that kind of DJ. But, um, you know, you could find a time where people go, Oh, now I'm over it. And then, and that's kind of the, the way I guess radio works in general. It does really. You know what? There's a, there are so many, you know what? There, there are lots of world. I feel like we're only getting started. There's a <laughs> lot of uh, topics that certainly um, we will be able to, and I know, you know what, and how about, how about we do a part two in the future? I'd love to do a part two with you in the future. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Feel free to you know, schedule something in. We're happy to do it. And, and Ted Wallishan will be coming up uh, with me actually in just a few, in a couple of weeks. Oh, good. Yeah. Ted um, was someone that when I was starting to pay attention to radio more, as I said earlier, my mom listened to CFRB all the time. And when he took over for Wally Crowder, I would listen to him and um, just really, uh, I never, working at CFRB was like a dream, but not actually a real dream. It was like, well, maybe one day, but I actually didn't think it would happen. And so when I had been let go by Astral, um, I was trying to decide, well, what do I do with my life and what, and do I stay in radio? I don't know. And has it run its course? And so they needed a weekend producer and Mike Ben Dixon called me and said, I heard you just got let go. And someone had suggested that you might be a really good fit. Do you want to come in? I said, okay, that's fine. And so we're sitting there and Ted Wallace walks in. And so you're just like, holy crap. <laughs> this is this guy I've listened to forever and now I get to produce his show and now we've become good friends and I still produce his podcast and so um you know I think he's someone that really came up at like the most exciting time of radio yeah, yeah and uh yeah no that's gonna be yeah it'll be so where can people um find your work and if if you'd like to and if they want to just uh or if they have questions to get in touch like where can people find all that in football yeah, if they want to go to beckycoles.com, um, that's my website and there's a way to get in touch with me there. Um, and my email is 
easy. It's bcoles at beckycoles.com. Uh, and there is an S at the end of my last name. People often think it's Cole, but there's it's C-O-L-E-S. Um, but I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Like just feel free and reach out and um, I'm really trying to get back into I, last year was kind of a year of relaxing after being in radio for so long, but I'm really trying to get back into just chatting with people and having those discussions and talking more about um, why I still love radio, even though I'm sad to see where some of the decisions are going. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you know, why not? You know what? Let's do. You know what? We'll, we'll yeah, And Becky and I will do a part two um, mm-hmm. real soon. Um, uh, we'll do a uh, we'll talk more about the world of broadcasting and we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about where it's even heading and and maybe some of the more pieces as well as we'll we'll do some politics as well oh i'd love that that would be great yeah <laughs> well thank you and uh, and all that all the contact information for becky and myself will be in the show notes for this show well, I want to take this opportunity, Becky, to really thank you so much for joining me. And Broadcast Map returns on Thursday, January 11th with Jim uh, Jim Richards. I knew I was going to do it. Mike Richards. I knew. As soon as I said it, I thought, oh, it's going to throw him off when he talks about Mike Richards. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. I knew I was going to do it. And I mean, you saw the guest list, but <laughs> Mike Richards. Do you remember Mike Richards? Yeah, we never worked together, but obviously I remember him. Um, and so when I saw that he was coming up next, I said, well, this is exciting. I'm like the opener for Mike Richards. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so it's going to go Mike. It's going to, it's, it went, yeah, the opener. And then after Mike will be Ted. That's going to be fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, thank you so much for joining, the for, for um, doing this. And I'm looking forward to our next chat. Yeah, so am I. Thanks so much, Ali. All right, no problem. And we will come and we say, stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to Broadcast Map. To learn more about the show, please visit http colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com slash broadcast map slash. Like the Broadcast Map Facebook page by searching broadcast map. Stay tuned. There is always excellent conversation on the way.